0: This podcast is a production of WBEZ Chicago. Become a new member of WBEZ or renew your membership at WBEZ.org. We can't do it without you. Who's the. Ch- what is going to be. When, we're where. Do I- Why is it called? How many the most- how most people. I was wondering. When are we going to get our. What? Is the- <laughs> what? <laughs> You're listening to the Curious City Podcast from WBEZ Chicago. You ask the questions. We answer them together. By now you know that Curious City takes your questions about Chicago, the region, and its people. But this time, we got a question about some people who have passed on. It comes from Michael Dotson, who lives on Chicago's far northwest side.
1: My question is, what is the history of Dunning, the insane asylum, and the people who have died here and the people who are buried and
0: unknown. And with Michael's help, we narrowed his question down to who exactly ended up at Dunning Asylum. We had freelance reporter Robert Lowerzell dig into the archives and memories to find out.
1: Chicagoans were scared of Dunning. Just uttering the word aloud could give people the chills.
0: Whenever someone would act a little nutsy, any of the kids would say, oh, got to send them to Dunning. If you and your brothers and sisters don't behave, we'll send you to Dunning. And that used to scare kids because they knew that it was a mental institution.
1: That's Ross Goodrich and Stephen Hill. As kids, they were freaked out by the place. But today, Goodrich and Hill are trying to learn more about Dunning. That's because both of them had great-grandparents who were sent there. You can think of this place as the prototypical evil, dark asylum of literature. Joseph Mayer is a psychologist in Springfield. He's researched the history of mental institutions in Illinois, including Dunning. The food was terrible. It was weevil-filled, and people didn't get the kind of medical care they ought to get. For many, many years, it was really a uh, terrible place. It was on Chicago's northwest side, at the corner of Irving Park Road and Narragansett Avenue. Everyone called it Dunning. But that was actually just the name of a family that owned nearby land. In its early years, the institution was technically called the Cook County Infirmary. County officials opened it in 1853 as a home for the area's poorest people. In some ways, it's almost similar to what we have today in the sense that we have uh, A lot of people who are homeless and living on the streets, and and a significant proportion of them are people who are mentally ill. In 1870, the county added an insane asylum at Dunning. But it wasn't a place where those with mental illness could find any hope or solace. Patients were abused. At least one was beaten to death. And supervisors? They used the asylum's money to pay for lavish parties. Neighborhood historian Al Opitz says Dunning was run by corrupt county officials. Up until about 1895, everybody was a political hiree. So consequently, they had nobody to report to except the political boss. And a lot of people were, ah, were mistreated, I guess, is a nice way of putting it. A Cook County judge called Dunning, quote, a tomb for the living. In the 1890s, Chicago newspapers reported stories of people sent to live inside this tomb. Some were hearing voices. One man cut off his right hand in a fit of religious mania. One woman refused to eat, saying everything was poisoned. Another man thought he was Jesus Christ. Chicago native Ross Goodrich says his great-grandmother was sent to Dunning after one of her children died.
0: When the baby died, my great-grandmother rocked the baby for a couple of days, wouldn't let it out of her arms.
1: Goodrich says it could have been a case of postpartum depression.
0: If uh, she was having mental difficulties of any kind, I'm not sure that there were any other places available in those days for her to go.
1: Another Chicagoan, Stephen Hill, says it was a bit of a mystery why his great-grandfather ended up in Dunning.
0: I believe that the term that they used was dementia, and they obviously didn't use
1: not knowing anything about this. Hill says his family never spoke of what happened to his great-grandfather. Life was so tough for immigrants back then. People did not talk about the rough lifestyles they
0: had and how poor they were. But I do know they had a very, very tough life.
1: The state of Illinois took control of Dunning in 1912 and changed the name to Chicago State Hospital. And gradually, treatment improved for those with mental illness. But the hospital was still overcrowded. In 1970, the state moved patients to a nearby facility called the Chicago Reed Mental Health Center. The state shut down Dunning and sold off the property. Crews later tore down what that county judge called a tomb for the living. But there was another chapter in Dunning's story, one that got Michael Dotson wondering about the site in the first place. In 1989, construction workers made a gruesome discovery. Archaeologist David Keene was called to the site. The uh, developer was putting in a sewer and water line in the street right over here. And he hit this corner, and when he, the uh, backhoe operator was digging, pulled up a corpse. The top half of a corpse, which still had clothing on and was in fairly uh, good state of preservation. Keene was hired to figure out why skeletons were turning up on Dunning's land. He learned three cemeteries were hidden underground. They were potter's fields for poor people who couldn't afford burials anywhere else. According to one estimate, 38,000 bodies are still there. Keene says state officials didn't pay much attention to the old graveyards when they constructed new hospital buildings beginning in 1912. And at the time, there was no law to stop them from doing that. As far as we can tell from the archaeological evidence, the state came in and removed any surface evidence of uh, burials in the entire area and began an active building campaign well into the 1960s. During that period, they actually built right on top of graves. Today, a modest memorial park marks the spot where thousands were buried. For some, though, the Dunning Memorial is too modest.
0: We're talking about Civil War vets. We're talking about Chicago fire victims. We're talking about every single orphan that was left at a hospital. Every single child that died in the hospitals that had nobody claim them.
1: Local resident Sylvia Clavens barshney runs a Facebook page about Dunning.
0: And the more research I did, the more I felt that the story needs to get out because most of the people that were taken here and then after that, most of the people that were buried here are people that were forgotten in life. They were just left or disposed of or hidden. And if that's how they live their lives, how dare we allow them to live their afterlife like that?
1: Clavin Sparshney wants to see landscaping added to the park and a more substantial marker to honor the dead. That's likely to be a tough battle because the state owns the land and the state's been short on cash lately. For now at least, she can thank Mike Dotson for asking us this question about Dunning. It's shed at least a little more light on this dark chapter of the city's past. And it's a reminder that the unfortunate souls buried there have not been completely forgotten. For WBEZ, I'm Robert Lowerzell.
0: We have much, much more about this story online than we had time to tell you here. So head over to WBEZ.org slash to read Robert's detailed article. You can also see a video of the folks who are trying to do better by those whose lives ended at Dunning. If you have a question about Chicago's past or its present, let us know at wbez.org slash Curious City. Thanks for listening. Curious City is produced by WBEZ Chicago Public Media, Ziga, and AIR, the Association of Independence in Radio. Our senior producer is Jennifer Brandel, Sean Ali edits the series, and Logan Jaffe is our multimedia producer. The Curious City podcast is mixed by Sarah Liu with help from Mickey Capper and editing oversight by Andrew Gill. You can subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or listen to our back catalog in SoundCloud. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at WBEZ Curious Lead financial support for Curious City comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Chicago Public Media creates award-winning content about the issues that affect our community, our nation, and our world. More information is available at chicagopublicmedia.org. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week. At a time when information continues
1: to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Line wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program— at wbez.org slash curious. Thank you.